Support comes from Austin Water, helping residents reduce water use while protecting Austin's precious resource during the drought conditions with MyATX Water, providing near real-time water use data, tips, and leak alerts. More at austinwater.org. From KUT and KUTX Studios. Hello, and welcome to this song, the podcast where artists talk about the songs that changed their lives and give us a glimpse into their creative process. I'm your host, Elizabeth McQueen, and this week on this song, we'll be hearing from Sydney Wazer, who releases music under the name Clara Nova. But before we get started, I want to let you know that if you live in Austin, Texas, you will have a chance to see a live taping of this song on June 4th at 2 p.m. at Waterloo Records. I'll be interviewing John Prine right? I know. I'm super excited. I hope you'll join me. And if you don't live here, no worries. You'll get to hear the edited version for sure. Now to Clara Nova. It's the musical brainchild of Sydney Weiser, and she actually used to record and release music under her own name. Sydney changed her stage name to Clara Nova in 2014, just in time to go through a classic music business situation gone terribly wrong. She signed with a record label, recorded a record, the label folded, and the music she had recorded, she lost it. She didn't have the rights to put it out. But rather than do what many of us would have done, perhaps give up in despair, well, instead, she decided to re-record the songs she lost. She got together with producer Sean Everett, re-recorded some of the songs, and earlier this year released the first of two EPs of this material. It's called The Iron Age. Clara Nova makes music that is experimental and poppy at the same time, full of electronic sounds and layers and everything like supports Sydney's compelling songs and her gorgeous voice. Now at KUTX, the radio station in Austin, Texas, where we make this podcast, we are Clara Nova fans. So when we heard she was coming to South by Southwest this past March, we asked her to play our Live at the Four Seasons show. It's an early show. And by early, I mean like early morning, like it starts at 7 a.m. So we were super happy that she said, yes, she did a great job. And afterwards, I got to talk to her about an artist and a song that has been like a huge influence in her musical journey. I feel like the song that changed my life the most would probably be Oh, What a World by Rufus Wainwright. I just remember living with his music for probably my senior year in high school and most of college. And I used to take a train uh, between Boston where I was living and New York where my boyfriend at the time was living and I would listen to his records on repeat and the song specifically and the lyrics talk about being on a train and I always sort of connect it to that train ride between Boston and New York. Why am I always on a plane or a fast train? Oh, what a world my parents gave me always. Traveling, but not in love. Still, I think I'm doing fine. I was introduced to him through friends, actually, um, musician friends in high school. Were you a musician in high school? Yeah, I was. I've been a writer since. 
I saw a Medigliani painting when I was, it's so cheesy, but I saw a Medigliani painting when I was in fifth grade, and it was well, the first song I wrote was about this painting. I just loved this painting so much. What is this painting? It's just this woman. It's this portrait of a woman that Medigliani painted, and it was Jeanne, who was his, his wife. Um, well, I don't think they're ever married, but his partner. I saw the painting, and I remember I went in our living room, and I started writing the song, and my parents just let me write the song about Modigliani, and it's extremely cheesy. I mean, the words were something like, Modigliani, where are you? Modigliani, I'll find you. Was it um, from the perspective of the woman in the painting, or was it from your perspective? It was as a- from my perspective as somebody. It almost felt like we were kindred spirits when I saw the painting. Okay, we're going to take a little detour real quick. First of all, <laughs> do you remember the tune of this song? And could you sing it for me? The Modigliani yeah. song? Oh, no. Um, Modigliani, where are you? And there's a background part. Ooh, Modigliani, I'll find you. That's And then there was more, but I can't remember it all. I have the lyrics somewhere. Well, I mean, now we're going to take a little detour into this <laughs> painting. What was it about the painting that, like, I don't where know. you felt this connection like if you can I don't know it was just it's like he had this way of I don't know it was just an honesty or something about it that it felt like I I know him <laughs> yeah, like seven or eight year old Sydney I don't know how old you are in fifth grade but I think you're like uh 10, 10 11 or 12, 11 or 12. Yeah, yeah okay um yeah that was the first song that's amazing yeah Wow. And I do actually kind of feel that way. I don't feel like I know Rufus Wainwright. Um, maybe because he's living and I don't know him. <laughs> 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 that could be why. Um, but I feel like, yeah, the second I heard his music, it felt um, like a same cloth or something like that. Now, there are a lot of songs in the world and there's mm-hmm. a lot of artists in the world. I mean, can you pinpoint some specific things that you, you felt this connection with? Rufus or Medigliani? Uh, Rufus, sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I think it was, it's with him, the vocal production for one is something that has really inspired me. And I feel like he layers vocals on top of vocal on top of vocal in a way that comes really naturally to me. I mean, I hope that I can even like scratch the surface of what he does. Um, but I feel like that's something that stood out to me right away as either he shaped that in me or that was natural in me and I started doing that because I I love his work. Um, So sort of his like textual arrangements. And this song specifically is more orchestral than other songs. It's still, you know, it's a Ravel piece. It's Bolero, actually, and he wrote a song over that. And I loved the idea of him claiming that um, and reinventing it. that he could take something 
that was artistic in somebody else's voice and make it his own. And maybe in that way, I felt like it's similar to the connection with Medigliani in that I saw this piece of artwork that he made and I then made it my own. And so I feel like maybe that's a similarity or something between Rufus and I. I mean, it almost sounds like um, what you're looking for in art, or at least with these two pieces of art, is like a conversation yeah. between, you know, across space and across time. The idea that like one's art can directly inspire another piece of art and can directly inspire another piece of art. I mean, that's, that's like talking. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That I think is really fascinating to me. I'm a visual person and I actually, if I'm stuck, I go to a museum and I just walk around and I'll leave with ideas. Or I feel like I'm visiting friends or something. Really? Yeah. Like, hands down. Actually, there's a song on the record called Flora on the EP that just came out. And I wrote that in the Norton Simon Museum. In the, I was in, walking around the sculpture garden outside. They have this beautiful pond and all these beautiful trees and plants. And I was just walking around and I started singing this part that goes like, Flora. And it was almost like they were talking to me. Surrounded by the movement. And I was just sort of walking among everything and started to have basically a conversation with the plants through this idea of a song. And then I drove back to Laurel Canyon where I was living at the time. And from the time I left Norton Simon to my house, which was maybe 40 minutes, I had most of the song written. Yeah, the visual element has always been important to me. And actually, I have a whole like visual board of images that I change on a regular basis that's up above my piano. And if I get stuck, I'll just look at a photo and like an idea comes in. And it's almost like somebody told me a sentence to say. Like if I didn't know what to say, I look at a picture and it's almost like the image told me what to, t to write next. And it makes sense then that Rufus Wainwright would feel you would, you could kind of feel this like connection with him. Because I feel like his work it seems very visual. Yeah. about this song specifically you said you have this real connection to like a time and a place like being on a train yeah riding from Boston to New York to see this guy that you were seeing yeah um was it a good relationship because that's a real melancholy song it was a good relationship I think I, I know <laughs> Sometimes it's a funny thing that I do, but sometimes when I'm in a really good mood, I actually listen to extremely depressing music and then I'm like weeping in my car. So maybe it's just a weird thing that I do. Um, but I think it's, it's, 
it feels just um it, it feels mel- melancholic but it doesn't feel like painfully sad necessarily it feels reflective and sad but it doesn't feel depressed if that makes sense almost in the way where sometimes like nostalgia is sad where it's not it's also happy it actually reminds me of the feeling that you get when you're on it when you're in that in-between space of travel yeah yeah. you know between one place and another and there's like a special kind of reflection that you can have about the world yeah he's like liminal spaces you know yeah and maybe you just left you know like if I was going to New York I would have been excited in anticipation if I had just left and it's like oh I miss this person already but we had such a nice time it almost feels like that's the feeling like I missed something but it was wonderful Rufus Wainwright, I think, influences me across the board. I feel like there may be other songs that have made that shift, but I think he's someone who is, if I'm three colors and other colors come in and out and influence, he's one of the three colors that I'm always. So like his influence is always... Is always there, I think. Is always there. And you said that we were talking earlier before we started recording, and you said that you actually, on one of your projects, you actually listened to nothing but... Rufus Wainwright. Yeah, I listened to um, poses on repeat from beginning to end for about six months. It wasn't, it was obsessive, but it it didn't feel obsessive at the time. But it wasn't, um, I wasn't like studying him. I wasn't researching and trying to figure out what I could do that was like him. It was more, I had no space in my brain for anybody but him. And it felt just comforting, like yeah, I'm working on this thing. I'm figuring out what the sound is going to be. This is who I am. So let me just like find my buddy and listen to this on repeat because anybody else who comes into the picture is going to confuse me. But it felt like he was just like a a constant, like stable person in my ears for some reason. Cigarettes and chocolate milk These are just a couple of my cravings Everything it seems I like's a little bit stronger, a little bit thicker, a little bit harmful for me. If I should buy jelly beans, have to eat them all in just one sitting. I don't really know anybody that sounds like him. I mean specifically his voice, but also just the arrangements and and the writing and he's really honest in a way a lot of writers aren't he manages to be like a a leonard cohen but still has like a rock has a rock band and not in the bob dylan way where you know he had all the like the acoustic version and like the electric version he's kind of all of those versions at once and he i don't know he just manages to be both the poet the opera singer and the badass musician <laughs> like the badass <laughs> rock person you know yeah totally
and you've got a new project out. You've got a new EP out. Yeah. That's kind of where you live. You live in this space where you're taking from a bunch of disparate, like experimental and beautiful and like, and putting it all together. Yeah. You know, I wonder if when you talk about like Rufus Wainwright is one of the three colors that mm-hmm. you always are. What would my other colors would be? I guess other colors with Rufus Wainwright, Radiohead, maybe Joni Mitchell. Oh, interesting. All three artists who are really interested in pushing form. Yeah. And like playing with form and all, in all the ways. Yeah. Do you feel like when you're making this music, does it feel like a conversation with like all the art that you've ever kind of yeah, like come across and trying to figure out how to process it and then put something back out there? Yeah, I mean, well, for one, the song Echo um, lyrically is about is about that. We have, you know, you meet someone and you say hi and you're both thinking about that moment where you're meeting and you're getting to know each other, but you have a thousand memories that are circling in your brain and they have a thousand memories circling in their brain and at that moment all of your collective history is interacting with their collective history without even really knowing and we're all just sort of like swirling around together with our own stories that inform us whether or not we're aware that they're informing us um so i think that is something i think about a lot and lyrically i think that came out in echo Echo, one of the songs on Clara Nova's Iron Age EP. And I wondered how her history with this music, these songs, like, well, how had it influenced how she approached her work in this new era? Yeah, I was signed with the label and they folded and it got complicated and there wasn't really an option for me to get music back. Um, and so I was forced to re-record everything. So the EP that came out is actually a re-record of the double record I made four years ago. I think there was a moment where I looked in the mirror and was like, if there's a plan B, now is the moment. And there was no other option. Like, I love music. That's my life path and what I want to do. And I'm so happy with these songs. It meant too much to do something else, another, another record. So I asked... Um, friends and family and fans and they showed up in a huge way and made it all possible in this new chapter there is one thing that I decided to do because I had to re-record it and that was hard was I'm making actually a visual component to the record um I'm making a installation in Los Angeles a photography exhibit called Iron Gold and it'll be the two chapters the Iron Age and the Golden Age and I'm collaborating with a bunch of different local photographers. And for the Illusionist music video, we built this large plexiglass sculpture. It's sort of like eight foot by four feet. And there was a dancer that got inside and we filmed the video with a drone on the rooftop in downtown LA. And I loved this idea of this box like in the world. And so I'm rebuilding this box all over the world. Well, Somewhere in California, really, <laughs> where I can drive. <laughs> That's hopefully under four hours each way. <laughs> I'm giving it away. But um, we, I'm going and building this structure and sort of manipulating it in different ways. So for Flora, 
we went into the desert and we filled the box with tropical plants and then I'm sort of on the periphery of the box and that's the image for flora and then for echo it was at night and we did like a long exposure um photograph and there's light and I'm hold I'm walking around it in a circle and there's light and so I look almost like a ghost and like the the people I was saying everyone has these um their history that's sort of circling in the back of their head and I'm sort of that in that photo I think and so I'm trying to have a lyrical connection as well as a social connection so for ashes that song to me felt like burning down the walls that have been put up about women and about anyone who feels that they've been um, not given a fair equal shot. And so it's three women nude holding, basically holding hands, staring like right at the camera inside of this plexiglass. It's like you putting me in a box, but I don't see it almost. And so there's a visual component that's going to be coming out in the summer, early fall um, around that. So it felt like a way to have a second chapter that was like exciting and visual as well. And kind of encompass what you really have yeah. always been about since yeah. you were in fifth grade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, I, you know, it, this has always been part of why you make music, this conversation with visual art. Which yeah. Is, which I'm totally jealous of. All I saw was red from the head rush, like a breaking glass from the burning flame. There's no going back after first blush. There's no going back. I feel and this is Electric, the newest single from Clara Nova. She just released it like last week, and I had a blast talking to Sydney. You heard me express a little jealousy around her process there at the end. Well, I'm jealous. I come from a family of visual artists like my father, my mother, my sister, my uncles and cousins. They're all tuned into the world in this very like aesthetic, visual way. But my brain, it works differently than theirs. It, it doesn't process the world that way. Like I'm more of a sound person, but Sydney, she has this positive feedback loop between visuals and music. And, you know, coming from a family like mine, that just seems like such a wonderful way to experience the world. A way that I wish I could tap into more. So, you know, I'm a little jealous. It's okay. Clara Nova's follow-up to the Iron Age, the Golden Age EP, will be out on July 27th. And that photo installation she talked about, it'll be up in the fall. I'll make sure to post a link to the music video for The Illusionist on the show notes page for this episode at kutx.org so you can see the box that she talked about. And I'll also post links to the Iron AGP and Electric and a link to her South by Southwest performance at the Four Seasons for us. Like, there's going to be a lot of Clara Nova goodness on the show notes page, so you should check it out. And that's it. You have come to the end of another episode of This Song. This song is a production of 98.9 in Austin, Texas. This episode was produced by Art Levy and me, Elizabeth McQueen. Kelly Seal is our excellent intern. And thanks to Deidre Gott and Peter Babb and Todd Callahan for all they do for this podcast. And it is true. Our theme song is Mahout by Austin's own Hard Proof. Right on. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time.
KUT's next AT Explained live show is April 3rd. Brand new stories about Austin's people, places, and culture told live on stage by your favorite KUT journalists. I've never gotten any specific invites from Steiner Ranch. And that's about the time Charlie chomped down on that chicken. I will hypnotize you into securing my law services. Join us April 3rd at the Paramount Theater for KUT's next AT Explained Live. Tickets are on sale now. Get them at austintheater.org. And we'll see you there.